talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. All week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. In 2006, the Australian band Jet, who were responsible for such hits as uh, You're Gonna Be My Girl and something else other, released their second album or the following album called Shine On. Pitchfork, a music review site, didn't actually write a review. Their review was just a video of a chimpanzee pissing into its own mouth. And I feel if I had to review this weekend, it would be something pretty similar. Yes. Athens used stages of grief. I don't know where monkey pissing into its mouth video is, but the second I'm stage. kind of there. The second stage. That's yeah. anger. It's just it's just anger. That's what it is. <laughs> that yeah. is yeah. hilarious. Hello and welcome to another Drop Kickoff podcast. Nathan, you said you wrote five different match reports because the game kept changing. What did you land on? What was your takeaway? Just pain, if, if you can sum it into one word. Um, honestly, it's it was just one of those games where things just went wrong. You know, you lose a great talent in Lenny Cattell, whose stocks have gone up in injury because just how bad the defense looked in terms of shape. You then see some of that fight and courage that is that draws you in as a fan, that never-say-die attitude that has found a way to kind of become this Wallabies DNA of getting themselves back in the games. But in the very same vein, you know, that double helix you talk about, one is, you know, one side is that fight. The other is somehow finding a way for those close games just to go and losing them. And, you know, you end up just kind of getting to a point where you're just sitting there trying to process it all, trying to be like, how do you keep positive? How do you, you know... How do you spin this in a way that makes you think that, you know, in two months' time when we take a World Cup, we can legitimately take advantage of one of the simpler draws that will ever exist in a World Cup to make a semi-final when we now sit 0-2 and could realistically enter September with zero wins in 2023? It's, yeah, it's one of those, it's just one of those games that kind of, Makes you sit back, you know, you get back to your car at midnight when it's all said and done, and the only thing you can just scream is expletives at the top of your lungs just to try and process it. Yeah, um, I guess similar vibes to when Homer reads that letter, I can't remember why, and then screams. Literally, that's it. That's it. That's it. That was exactly what was going through my head when you kind of get home and just try and figure out what the hell just happened. Kids, would you step outside for a second? <laughs> Dear Lord, that's the loudest profanity I've ever heard. I will say before this properly kind of breaks down, there were positives. Like, let's not, let's not kind of turn to a... We've had some comments saying we're too negative. Let's, let's look at positives. We've, we found our we found our winger in Mark and Mark Nwongenatawazi. He was exceptional. Mm. Um, you know, probably Will Scotland's best game in Wallabies colours. I think that's a, that's probably safe to say. 
Um, Angus Bell looked great off the bench and made a real case to start next week. Um, yeah, that's about it. Oh, Dave, <laughs> yeah, when you've got an arm and your positives. Dave Parecki was solid. I'll, gi- I'll give him that. Yeah. You know, the, the tackling wise to the fence was good. Uh, uh, more will come to me. More will come to me. Carter <laughs> Gordon looks good again. Tate. Did Carter good Gordon look good? Yeah, Carter yeah. looked very good. Um, Goodness, Nick, man. Do you have any other positives? I mean, I, I feel like I should go full Blake and, and just let the rage just uh, just hit me in the face and just and just, just envelop it, like just release it on mic here for you this evening. Because what a shit weekend in general. I mean, I mean, we did. I was kind of hoping that we would get a uh, get a four from four, uh, with not just the Wallabies but also Australia A, the uh, the Wallaroos, hoping to make a bit of history, and uh, and the Junior Wallabies as well playing for fifth place, and yeah, I mean the Junior Wallabies got the job done, which was great, but one from four. Shite weekend. Um, <laughs> absolutely shite, and it was capped off by the performance in Parramatta. It, what the hell? I mean, the, the, yeah, let's look. The question was positives. I'll, I'll go there first. Uh, but, and I will say I agree with all of Nathan's points. I think Skelton, I know we've had our conversations about whether Skelton fits in or not, and that I've seen him up until this point, is kind of anonymous in the Wallabies. Uh, but he played very well. He played very, very well. And really, now I start to see the uh, the, the La Rochelle influence bleeding through a little bit in terms of his, of his influence on a game. That was very good. Gordon was good. Marky Mark was solid. Um, but uh, I want to just uh, rip the Band-Aid off and say our defence was atrocious. It was so bad. The, the, I think it was uh, two or th- like one or two minutes in. Nathan, you probably we we, met, we noticed it when we were watching that the first time the Argentinians got the ball, and they went down the fast, the far like the left flank, and they they moved. They were in the twenty-two within I think one phase, and I just thought to myself, "Oh, that's ominous," <laughs> and and that's how it was. And it, it was just a, it was such a, a rough night. And on top of it, the, the most. I think the, the most frustrating part as well was that even when we took the lead, I just, there was a feeling that, okay, how are they going to mess this up? And that is a bad place to be at when you are a fan because we've been in this situation so many times where I feel like we've we thought that we're, we're home and then you get burnt by a shocker. Maybe the, the, the memory of, of Melbourne last week, last year still hangs over us. Uh, but just, I had no faith that they were going to win that game. Like, I was like, they're going to find a way to mess it up. And and lo and behold, they did. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Uh, to go back on just one something, thing you said at the start there, Nick, and I'll ask this of you, Nathan. Do you think Eddie knows what's gone wrong? I think the way he described it after the press conference seemed to indicate that he knew what, what's gone wrong. It's, you know... For those who haven't watched it, it was an optimistic Eddie kind of talking. He sort of used the, the broken down car as the analogy. You know, one week, you know, the set piece doesn't work, but it worked this week. But when that worked, something else failed. So I think it's just the case. I think he knows what it is. And I think it's 
he's got this understanding that it can all be put together once it all clicks and we, everything is kind of firing at the exact same you know, time, you're then going to have an Australian team that can compete with the best in the world. No. The problem is we, ha- we haven't seen that defence yet. Like the defence and discipline re- remain the two big Achilles heels of this team. You look at those, you know, the reverse penalty on Valentini late in the game, which, again, Jones showed the frustration by breaking the headset. The late shots from Pepper and Karevi that allow Argentina to kick into the line, um, kick to the line, then eventually build pressure and go over. You know the yellow card to Richie Arnold, um, this sort of stuff, and still conceding a decent amount of points. And you know while the tackling was good, it just seemed like the shape was off. You know, I don't know how much you put on Ikatau being out and new twelve or thirteen, but these are still again. If you want to talk about, you know, this is a car. That's still being rebuilt. This is, you know, your engine and gearbox aren't working and it needs to be fixed. You know, you need a mechanic ASAP because, yeah, it's, that's two problem areas which you can't, you can't go, go deep in a World Cup with those areas not faltering. And it's almost at a point where some of that stuff has become habitual and that's the concern. I feel like we're in the same place, though. So, sorry to interrupt, Nick, but on that point, but I feel like we're in the same place, though, because... Wasn't the point that like last year when the when the Wallabies did their tour end of year tour also just like maybe just the whole Rennie era in general, there were moments where we would come up against the best sides in the world and we would legitimately take it to them. We would legit everything would click, everything would fire. We already know that this side can compete. So is he is it a simple case of of uh, like uh, all of this stuff is, is where we are firing. It feels like we've just gone backwards a bit, honestly. And maybe it's the f- it's and it's the fact that we've had to change the structure and everything out here. I think all of the fans know that this team can compete. The frustration is is that we know that this team can can compete and they don't. That's the problem. Well, that's kind of the high level problem. But to you kind of touched on there before as well as you were Nathan about the habitual issues. I think the discipline seems habitual. Uh, Eddie, I guess, uh, tell me if I'm wrong here, Nathan, that he's saying basically it's the players. He didn't want them to do things, and, you know, that wasn't part of his plan. There was something that came out about the kicking plan as well. I'm sure maybe Nathan can fill in the holes here that they were cooking too much or too stupidly, and that wasn't really what Eddie had told them to do. Uh, but on the other hand, Nick, you were saying clicking, and we're all kind of waiting for that to happen. Uh, I guess that's what Eddie Jones' teams usually do. Team didn't look... They look like... I don't know, they, they, they look bad, but not as bad as when Checkers' worst games or Rennie's worst games. If you, you know what I mean. I don't know if I'm stupid. Anyway, I can sort of agree with that. I can agree with that. I think what he was more referring to was just not having decision makers and people in position ready for when they got that turnover ball or when the opportunities were there. You know, I think that, that kicking sort of chat came after South Africa where, you know, you had a couple go into touch or, you know, kicks that weren't contestable. And we'll get onto it later, but you saw how much when New Zealand were able to make it a contest and get people, get their high flies too in the face of the spring box, that it legitimately disrupted their flow. So. You know, it was strategy was there. It was just, just getting that execution right. And it's just one of those things. In any other year, I don't think you'd be as concerned because you have time. 
we now have three games. Two against New Zealand, who are looking red hot, and then a warm-up game against France. It's how much change can you make? And, and John just said, you know, it probably could have been easy for him to take over from what Rennie did and just grind the same system. But he wants to create a style and he wants to implement a system that can win a World Cup. That's, that's his focus. The question, and he's always maintained he's got enough time. The question is how much time, time's running out. You, as I said before, realistic chance of going in without a win. But, you know, how much time can you really have building those winning habits and changing it around? Because, like, the talent's there. The talent will be coming back into that squad as well. It's just, yeah, we just kind of sit here and, and yeah, I, I, it's, it's an unknown to me, to be honest, just how to feel. Because, yeah, I think you are right, Nick, in the sense of we've seen worse while these games, but we're just not, we're just not winning. We're just not winners at the moment. And it's that's ultimately what's hurting this team. It's just not being able to close out those games. And that was the hope that Eddie could instill that winning mentality and toughness. And where, you know, yes, it takes time, but you haven't got much of it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we almost won the game on the weekend, but the performance wasn't even that good. Imagine if we did win. Oh, absolutely. And it's one of those things. If the game, if the game was 78 minutes long and we win at the end, we're probably talking about how good it is to... You know, that even when we're not playing our best, we've found a way to win. And, you know, the the kid from Punnett Hills becoming a star 20, you know, in Parramatta, 20 minutes from where he grew up. We're probably, we'd, we'd be talking very positive that they've still been like, there's work to do. So I don't think all is lost. In saying all that, like, you know, now you're probably hearing this is the sixth stage of grief where I'm just getting getting over it. But it's... I think that there are still steps that have been taken from this game forward. You know, there are still, and it's kind of started with, there's still positives, but it's just a case of you now face, you now face a really, really big challenge to get some kind of momentum against the Kiwis that you can sit back at the end of this and go, you know what? You know, by the time I think August 4th or August 5th, when that second Bledisloe hits, you, we need to be at a stage where we're like, okay, we have some momentum to say we can challenge. We can make some run at the World Cup. Because, yeah, no matter, I'm, you know, I've seen people say, we, you know, we can't compete with the best teams. We can't do this. But realistically, to make a semi-final, we don't have to. We just have to be We just have to be solid. You know, good to great. And that's all we need to get out. That's what we need to get out of this. So, yeah, I... I'm hopeful that that next step can be taken, but it's it's still a wait to see against the, like, you know, when we're facing a Kiwi side that looked incredible on the weekend. I think you're still on the rant stage of the. Yeah, no. This is honestly, this might just be denial at this point. Yeah, I think I'm sorry. I know, I know, I know. You're hopeful that it's going to be we're we're in the fifth stage of growth, but let's just be honest. It's. It's it, it's still fresh. This is fresh. It's still denial. It it's still, still it's still denial. We 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 all had our grieving process or moment of, of just complete frustration. I love that the chat went silent after the seventy eighth minute. We just <laughs> and didn't talk and barely talked again for the rest of the night. Just oh, it, we just couldn't couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Um, I talked. I I shared the person who said gamble should start at six, but I guess we'll get onto that. I just want to talk about. I mean, I guess we, unless we have anything else to say about the Argentina game, I guess Argentina played well. Good on them. Very impressive to see Checker 
doing so well with that team. They'll do very well. They've got that checker bounce, and that's checker's second win against Eddie. Did he, he didn't win with against Eddie with Australia, right? No, he didn't. There was I think it was seven on seven down to, uh, as Australia. It's just it's so frustrating that it, like everyone has, seems to have, have improved in some way, shape, or form. Even Checker, the only like it's just so frustrating that in the entire analysis of the that whole Eddie Jones Michael Checker Randwick Randwick rivalry, the Battle of Coogee, the Coogee brains. Uh, Australia is the team that's losing every single time. <laughs> It's that's just it's so frustrating. Yeah, uh, totally. Um, but anyway, uh, let's talk about Tonga and Australia A because then I want to talk about what's happening next weekend. So, did either of you guys? I mean, I guess Nathan, you did. But Nick, did you watch it? Certainly did. It was my day off, oh, um, nice. and uh, I was having a really lovely day. I I had I started the day by taking the dog for a walk. The dog's learning how to be on the lead. So we've got a new puppy. She's doing really well. I did some cleaning. I felt really great. And I was in a, I was in a, I got my article for, for rugby.com.au up early. So I was like, you know what? I'm in a good headspace. I'm feeling great. And I feel positive. Uh, and then I sat down to watch this hunk of garbage. And it, it wrecked the whole day. It was that first half was atrocious. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna mince words. It's like not only that. I, I'm assuming Natho, give me the chance to just uh, to see the forest through the trees a little bit here and give this team the benefit of the doubt. The fact that so many players were kind of slapped, thrown into that Australia A squad. I'm guessing it was a case of uh, very slapped together, or had this tr- team been training for a little while. I think in classic Australia fashion, they only came together on maybe the Sunday or the Monday before the game. So they had a week. Potentially a week, yeah. At, at maximum a week. Well, look, even with that, like, there were some mistakes in this game that, like, I was shocked that they made. That they made. Like, are we going to talk about the kickoff? With, oh, goodness me. Like, I've never made that error in a game that I've played, like, and I play in Nick, third... What was the error? Can you... Like, it was... So, Bernard Foley goes to kick off, but the comms between him and the attacking line, this is after a, a Tongan try, uh, like, the, they, they're clearly not communicating to each other. Bernie delays his kickoff, and by the time he kicks, there's 10 players who are already pretty much at the five-metre line. And, of course, the ref blows it back, and it goes back, and the ball goes back to Tonga yet again. Like... This is an international game that I'm watching. Uh, this was like that is really, really basic errors. Like basic that you'd assume that that uh, like I think someone whoever was whoever was working that day for the RAW was was ruthless about it and said it was a schoolboy error. I haven't seen that in a schoolboy rugby game. That's like I've yeah, never seen sixes. under sixes sort yeah, of error. You got to point them towards. Yeah, but right. I mean. I will say, though, uh, I, I think as much as as Australia A were just haphazard and all over the place, uh, the I will say that the, the massive positive to see is how good these new laws are for nations like Tonga, who 
can now draft new in eligibility laws. the new eligibility laws because they looked very positive. Uh, much I remember just watching that the game a few years back where they got a century put on them by the All Blacks, and you just thought to yourself, like, there are so many good players to have come out of Tonga. Like, this is not an accurate reflection on this country and their skill set and the great players that are currently, you know, circling planet rugby. Uh, they looked well-drilled, they looked focused, and they played really well, and additionally, they weathered the storm of the second-half fight back um, of uh, of Australia A very well, and I'm glad that Australia A did fight back. Um, if not for a appalling decision at the end of the game from a player who shall remain nameless, but who, who until that point, I'll add, had actually had a really solid game. Uh, just, Who's oh. the player and why are they nameless? Is it is yeah. Raphael? No, not Israel Folau. I'm talking uh, about Lockie Swinton, who, uh, pl- yeah, he's favourite. He played, but the thing is, he played a really good game up until that point. But it was a penalty to Australia, and him choosing to carry on saw the penalty get flipped, uh, and suddenly we could have been in a situation where we were down at there at the Tongan end of the ground, uh, going for a try, which would have won us the game, and suddenly Tonga were down at our end, and just like that, it was over. Yeah. So frustrating. So, so just before we go on, um, Nick mentioned the eligibility laws. So players like you have heard of Charles Peltau, Israel Falau, um, Solomon Okata, I think as well, Malakai Fakatoa, William Havili, Augustine Pulu, Lepeti Tamani, and a very own Adam Coleman uh, can now go play for because they haven't played for their respective national sides for, I think, three or four years. You can change allegiance. Um, Nathan, what were your takeaways from this game? I'll echo Nick's point in just how good Tonga will be. I'll make the bold prediction now. They, they'll cause a major upset at the World Cup, whether it's... Uh, I'll make the prediction now that I reckon they beat Scotland because just the talent that's in that squad is unbelievable. Um, and I'll say great to get... The crowd was awesome there. The atmosphere was unbelievable. But, yeah, looking back on this loss after seeing the Wallabies get beat just makes it hurt even more. Because the reality is, if you lose a game like like that against Argentina, you want something, some people, you know, knocking down the door, playing the lights out to really get themselves back into the, the team. In those key positions, it just didn't happen. I just you can't touch on. Foley, Foley was poor until he got into the second half. Chuck Campbell kicked out in the full, didn't really make the impact that he, that he wanted. You know, as you said, Swinton was strong until the brain fought, fought towards the end. Um, you know, the only real positive you can take out of it is, yeah, Tani Altupo coming back. You know, first scrum of the day, he just absolutely murders Tonga. Goes like straight through the middle and ends up next to their flank at number eight. Like, him coming back looked unreal, but he still... Looks like he's building that that sort of match fitness back, which is completely understandable after the injuries he's had. But yeah, again, I was you know you're playing a full international team, so you don't kind of expect always to win. But as to echo Nick once again, when it's just those basic errors that are the difference, yeah, that it's it's just just a tough one to and ultimately set the tone for the the weekend for the senior teams. It, do you think uh, any players stood out for like in, in a positive way for Australia? 
I will say, yeah, Tani Altupo was one. He really had a good game. Um, I thought Harry Wilson was sold off the bench, but even still. Um, yeah, uh, that's... Yeah, controversy for Queensland's Harry Wilson. New South Wales born. New South Wales born. Queensland's, yeah, Queensland's own. Yeah, um, he's... So, so a true Queenslander then. But, you know, if he, if he doesn't get picked or he does get picked, people talk about him. Anyway, go on. <laughs> I was going to say that they're the two real positives. Um, you know, Lockie Anderson probably got a well-deserved try. Um, Isaac Fines off the bench looked to have a real impact. He's kind of up-tempo style, really changed the game. I thought. Um, did he? Did he come on like half time? He came on really early. Yeah. So he replaced Jake Gordon to Lon's own Jake Gordon um, in the second half. Oh, just the, just at the start of the second half. So, but yeah, he looked really good. So I would say Fines and Tupo probably the two big standouts in the game. Two two players from what twenty three. I yeah I'd agree and I'm I'm the team mate. Yeah I'd agree and I'll, I'll echo uh, Isaac finds the Liawasa just he's looked he's been looking fantastic for a long time and just seeing him continue to grow and grow and grow um, is really positive. He's a very he's such a he's such a good exciting um, scrum half that just gets the tempo up. Like really gives you that that shot in the arm that you need. Um, yeah, I think I think Brad Wilkin had moments where he was all right as well. I think he played he he had an okay game. Um, but yeah, just it's not a huge amount of positives you can take out of this game. It was it was very very poor. Um, I will like it's and it is so frustrating that that Swinton had that brain fight at the end. I am not going to lie to you because he was actually he was he was being that that Scott Fardy enforcer until that point. He played a pretty decent game and was a, and looked like he was kind of finally just getting down and doing the grunt work. And then in, and then his head he lost his head again. It was so frustrating. So frustrating. Okay, before we move on, talking about my boy Swinton, can you guess how many Wallabies caps he's got? Three? Oh, okay. Three. What do you say, Nathan? Um, I think he was used a fair bit under check. So, I'm oh, and Rennie, So I'm going to go with twelve. He's got four. Yeah, he 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 started with he started with Rennie, and I and I bloody remember it because he got sent off in that game. Yeah, yeah. So which is he would have probably twelve if he had been sent off. Suspended <laughs> for like six games or something. Just I think he got only got three or four, so it's not. I feel like he's only played. I feel like he's only played like six games in the last twelve months across like <laughs> Waratahs and Wallabies because he's been sent off that bloody many times. Like yeah. I mean, in his defence, he had a, he had a really bad neck injury. I uh, no, sorry. Yes, shoulder. that is true. That is true. So that's why he hasn't played. Yes, sorry. That yeah, that is. Then, then he got sent off. But then he got sent, then he got done for <laughs> then he got done for that that tackle against the against the force. Just yeah. Fuck me. Just the next game, which will be on the 29th, Nathan, next Saturday. Saturday. Next Saturday. So, so the 29th, yes. Yeah. Um, I guess who, what changes would you make, if anything, from the team? I mean, obviously, we can talk about tactics. I guess you probably want us to see us have the uh, ball in hand more. Stupid mistakes. But what tactics would you make? Or not, so player changes would you make for the next game? All right. Um, what I would change, maybe controversial, I'd start Angus Bell over James Slipper. I think he gave a really good impact in that 20 minutes and 
just again we had similar problems just kind of breaking that you know, winning that contact battle I think Angus Berg gives you a real kind of edge without BSing around um, I would say Fraser was solid but I think if you for that to work you then need Mark Hoover to start like Rick Wright's one of the best ball sort of ball hawks in terms of around that ruck in the game but the problem is he, he caught the Hooper treatment on the weekend sense of as soon as he looked close there was two defenders always there just to clear him out and not give him any space if you're gonna if that's gonna happen I think Hooper's a better defender uh, outside of that probably keep the pack the same um, then look at the look at the back line I think this, I, I'd give Quaid one last chance if, I mean, if you get beaten in the MCG may as well throw Carter in at Dunedin you know it's not gonna win you back in Bledisloe. so it's really it's always a dead rubber at that point. And then I would move... Um, sorry, keep Kurevi at 12, put Parisi at 13. I think just, again, another explosive back who's sole defender. And then if he's fit, um, Andrew Keller over Tom Wright. Tom, Tom Wright's mistake in that last 10 minutes, I think is oh, now in the coffin for me. Yeah, I, 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 was, I was quite inebriated, probably to cope with what was happening. Uh, is that the part where they throw it on the like they just throw it past no one and it's just on the ground? No, he knocked it on. He knocked it on like oh, they went, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that went through. And it was like one of the coldest knocked ons that you'll ever see. Just so bad. He just dropped his spaghetti kind of thing. Another another basic as hell error. So I would yeah, if he's fit, which I believe he was for this game, but still coming back to match fitness. I would bring Andrew Kelly back at fullback. And then onto the bench, um, Ulysses got to go for Matt Fesler. I think, again, he hasn't just hasn't shown enough, to be honest. Um, Ulysses, when he gets on the field, bring Tupo back on the bench, unleashing for that 20-minute cameo with, uh, with Slipper as well. And then from there, probably probably go back to a 5-3 split, have a, someone who can cover Seno, Wing fullback, you know, but someone who, I don't know, maybe has a big boot as well, can come on. If only we had one of those players who can kind of cover every position that could be used in that. Um, hmm. maybe, maybe, from, maybe from the Melbourne Rebels as well, is, you know, just, just a thought. Are you going like, to go with the 6 2 split as like well? Ryan or like Riley or something like that, right? Close to that. You know, first name might rhyme with Meese. Oh, yeah. Me- yeah. Mace Modge. Oh, oh, yeah. Wait, where did you think I was going? Peace Nodge. Reese Hodge. Peace Nodge. Um, of course. Nathan, you're a moron. Anyway, uh, quick question. Um, <laughs> would you know why Flaufanger's um, first try scorer's very own, uh, Flaufanger, is not in the squad? Because he just wasn't favoured over um, Fesler and Ulysse. Like, he was in Australia, right? He was playing that game, but yeah. he's been released. He's been released from his force contract. But that um, makes sense, though. It's World Cup year. He's leaving. He's leaving the force. He's leaving the force, and I, I, which was a huge surprise to me. I'm assuming he must be doing something similar to Noel Alessio. Is he going overseas? No, like he's going overseas. He signed that deal ages ago. Ah, oh, there you go. Then so just he need only a year to cover it. He only signed a one-year deal with the force. Like as soon as that kind of got confirmed. Um, it was like, all right, you're going overseas after the World Cup. But no, he signed with Cremont at the start of the year. There you yeah, go. I, I, like, 
So what Nick is referencing is that the force just put a post up saying farewell to about eight players. I think, what, two or three were from England? I think one of them's staying, right, Nathan? Yeah, Sammy, Sammy Spink, Spink is staying, which is the best news ever. He's so good. Yeah, so the four signed these guys from the English teams that folded halfway through last year, which was two or three of them. Um, and they've said farewell to eight of their players and there's been a bit of commentary about, oh, why have, you know, you, you can't keep any of their players. But I think it's kind of what's happened. Like, there's English guys are surprised to stay. Like, it's good news, but honestly surprised to stay because you can earn more money over in England and France. And the rest of them, you know, it's a World Cup year, so they're just staying in Australia to play for the World Cup, really. And then you go over and earn more money. Yeah, but I think that's the, the probably the reason why Falau isn't isn't included in the squad. If I'll make add one small point on one thing that we could change for you know the next game, um, I, I won't go into as much detail um, as Natho in terms of players coming in and out because I'm assuming Eddie will have will, will have his his head covered. He'll have covered got a pretty decent sense of what he thinks could potentially work. At least I hope so. Just get the boys working on that on defence. For the love of God, just cover defence, broken defence. Um, defense wins you games. Uh, I was just thinking to myself as Argentina were poking holes in in this last night in this in that defense. Um, All Blacks gonna eat this up. They're gonna put fifty on us if it's this bad. Yeah, it um, wasn't really, really poking holes. It was just running. It was just running. Like, it was just, just running forward. They weren't. Yeah, weren't even doing that much. Like just, just for for the love of God, just whatever. See the like. See this defensive shit. See what's happening there. Get that under control. Pretty much. Get it under control. Um. So on the weekend, next weekend, weekend after next, we plan the All Blacks. They, I don't know, destroyed, blitzed the box. Pretty yeah. concerning to the rest of the rugby world. Not us, because we're used to it, but. How do we feel about this game, especially after the box? You know, they're 18. Well, most of that 18, and I think there's probably about eight guys who played against the Wallabies playing this game as well. The A and a half team. That's what it yeah. was. Especially as we said, like it wasn't. It was never really a big side, and that played against us. And again, let's reiterate: Eddie, Eddie Jones never called it a B side. He wanted to play the A side. Maybe this is why I wanted to play the A side because goodness me, they came out and looked shell shocked in the first twenty minutes of this. Like this was New Zealand playing r- rugby at their finest. They just Will Jordan is a freak. Um, the number six is also great, but yeah, I mean, it's just this was yeah. Maybe Eddie Jones was right. You know, he, let's let's clarify. Eddie Jones said he wanted to play the best South African side that was out there. Maybe this is why because you know New Zealand looked incredible in the first twenty minutes of this game. Will Jordan was unbelievable. Sean Frizzell played probably one of the best games by number six this year. Um, and realistically, they should have been up by a lot more. Like, the South Africans were making so, so many uncharacteristic errors, all simply because of the pressure that New Zealand put on them. Like, they were unbelievable. And, you know, it's also one of credit to South Africa they got back into the game, but also just tells you how, just how much in a World Cup year the All Blacks can just find gears and find levels to really sort of 
stamp their mark on world rugby and say, we are legitimate contenders for the World Cup. You know, forget what happened to finish last year. We are here to win this and we're a real threat. And ultimately, it's just gonna, it just adds more hype and more excitement around that first game where, again, as, as I predicted in the last pod, I generally reckon New Zealand and France are going to bookmark this tournament in the first and last games. And performance like this only show New Zealand's credentials as World Cup threats. Thoughts? Yeah, this this game was was absolutely stellar. I think uh, the All Blacks uh, built incredibly nicely from uh, from their performance in Mendoza last week um, with uh, with just such a, a strong performance in terms of just the ability to execute strong pressure on the, on the box. I thought the box were very undercooked. They looked pretty mixed. Their second, they did. Uh, come back in the second half, but yeah, it was. I think I think the, the Springboks will look at this game as a real missed opportunity, a real missed opportunity because uh, they do have the the squad, they do have the talent and the depth there to to beat this All Black side. And I actually discovered recently that they haven't beaten the All Blacks in Auckland since 1937. And I thought, uh, and I thought out our uh, 1986 uh, win, our last win at Eden Park was bad. Like, like the last time that, the last Jesus time, Christ. That, yeah, the last time that the Springboks won in, <laughs> won in Auckland, it would like red, like color film had barely, had just barely been invented. Uh, just insane stuff. Uh, the Xbox One hadn't come out. The Xbox One definitely hadn't come um, out. Uh, how many games they play in Auckland? You know, that's it. Don't have to answer that question. Have they ever uh, played? Uh, yeah. Don't don't worry about that. Knock uh, on the head. Do you reckon? Um, what's his name? Who's coach? Ian Foster. How do you think Scott Robertson feels after that game? Because <laughs> Nicky mentioned after what happened last year and throw the All Black uh, Springboks. To, to be honest, I think most Kiwis and most people are kind of just saying, oh, let's just wait for Fossey. Like, regardless of what yeah, happens. Ian Foster did a dance afterwards. Ian Foster is probably going, like, just... Well, I mean, I think it will really... the Fozzie's tenure, people, I think... I think the New Zealand rugby public has made up their mind about Fozzie already, regardless of how uh, the All Blacks go this year. Um, and I think that's really a reflection of how good they've had it for so long under Graham Henry and Steve Hansen, um, but also the fact of, of how warmly regarded um, Razor is, um, and he's just going to be seen as a blip in the middle of it. Um, just even if they win the even if they win the World Cup, everyone's I still think New Zealand are going to be like, okay, all right, Fozzie, see you later. Let's get the let's get the let's get Razor in. Yeah, it would be interesting if they won it. You know what they should do though? What they should have done for the coach off is done a dance competition. And, yeah, you know, Ozzy had to get a team. Uh, Razor had to get a team. You know, just to see who would serve the other one. Yeah, just go full South Park with it. His dancing was so fast, I couldn't do anything. His moves were so original, so inventive. Ugh. Shh, relax, Mr. Marsh. Okay. Cool. Uh, let's move on to under twenties. We talk about under twenties for a second. So they played the fifth place game, the under twenties against Wales. Mm-hmm. They won. 
atmosphere. Any more to that, Nathan? I guess you had to watch it for work. Yeah, great. Honestly, I thought it was going to set the tempo for the week like that was coming. They played really well. Um, you know, probably one of the better games out of Teddy Wilson that I've seen. Um, like he was incredible and deserved player of the match. Um, you know, great interchange between backs and forwards to set up uh, set up his try. And again, the try you should really go back and watch, basically straight from the kickoff, kind of just thrown through the hands and he's finished it off. Um, but yeah, again, a perfect way to end the tournament. You know, young guns like Derby Lancaster, um, Henry O'Donnell played really well. Some great sort of purchases out of the forwards as well. It was just. Yeah, you know, it's one of those times you can walk away and honestly, Nathan Gray and the side can walk away with their heads held high. They only lost to Ireland, who got beat in the final by France. And in a game which, let's face it, if it's called correctly, um, and that's that's what rugby, in well, rugby's eyes, not mine. Like, they gave, two, they gave two players suspensions after the fact. So, realistically, it should have been 15 or 13 for 40 minutes. Yeah, you all of a sudden could be saying the Australian team could be in the semis and final. Um, you know, a draw to England, which could have gone their way as well, had, you know, just one path to the end stuck. Um, it's all in all a tournament where you walk away and go, you know what, there are some talented players coming through. And, yeah, you know, we highlighted a couple last week. Um, and, you know, you look at the, particularly from a Waratahs perspective, you look at Wilson, you look at Jack Bowen coming through as well, O'Donnell, if I can keep him in the centres, there's three really young guys that you can kind of build the future around that Waratahs team. You know, particularly Jackson. with... Sorry, you were going to say it? I was going to add, throw Jackson Rapata in there as well, coming off the bench. Um, there's a couple of... Re- even the reserves, I thought, really impressed. The whole squad, I actually think, did, did quite well this tournament. Um, and even though they did go down, like you mentioned, to Ireland, I think it, there was one or two things away and they would have been a top-four side. I mean, you don't draw against England for nothing. Um, and whatever they're doing, again, like, which I know you were about to come, go back to, Nathan, I'll throw it back to you in a minute, but the decision to have some of these guys c- coming through in the Super Rugby program I think is really starting to pay huge dividends uh, in terms of just clearly giving them that critical game time under their belt that uh, is really just giving them that cohesion. Whatever they're doing with that, with that, with, with how though they're managing those players uh, is working quite well. Absolutely. And the trick is to now make this, these, not these world champs, but the, the build-up events, you know, playing two games against New Zealand, expanding that to maybe, you know, a more regular Oceania under-20s event. Like, that's going to be the key coming through because... Yeah, there's some really good talents coming through that, are, you know, showing that they can match it with the best in Europe. You know, guys that are getting regular time in that Six Nations under 20s and, you know, tournaments like that, they, they show they can match it. So there's, you know, some important, some really nice kind of moment players for the future, if you want to call it that, no, to no, really no. kind of step up. On that, a question for you, Nathan. Who do you think from this team would you like, I guess, picked for the Wallaby squad or greater squad? And then uh, maybe let's say picked for the World Cup or perhaps you think may not be picked but are ready to play for the Wallaby. At the current moment or in like, say, two or three years? Uh, at the current moment. I think if you, I don't think any of the players are ready to play for the Wallabies. Like, we're not at that level, but I think there is a cut, there are two or three that are. You know, Teddy Wilson, Jack Bowen, 
um, two that sort of come to mind that will be in cont- contention come 25. Um, I will also say um, Levi, Talatana, Levi Hackett Talatana, um, Rebels number eight, who I think is only 18, 19. I would put him down, like, he, I reckon he was their best forward. I generally reckon he can play a big part when 25, 27 comes rolling around with those two big events. So, so to, good. He's so good. To, yeah, unreal, isn't he? Yeah, I, I've been watching it because, like, he was coming through Endeavour Hills um, in my kind of – in my club club rugby coverage, I've come across him a few times. He's so good, just so physical. Just, I think he's, he's got the, the market, the makings of just that player that I think Australia Australian rugby has needed for a while. Just that big old bastard who is clearly uh, – whatever he's been fed is not – is – is just created a monster who just gets involved and gets the work done. Keep a watch on this guy. Really great player. Yeah, awesome news. Always exciting to see people come through the system. Um, Nathan, next question. Uh, Wallaroos over in Canada got spanked by the Canadians. Tell me about that. And... Why is Canada so good at women's rugby and so awful at male rugby? Yeah, I mean, they just came... It was compared to the first 20 minutes, but, yeah, just got blown away. I, I mean, as we said, we've kind of said this part a couple of times, you know, someone like Sophie Degudi is just an unreal player to have the back number eight. Uh, number eight for Canada. I mean, she just proves such a difference and provides, you know, that world-class talent that, again, they, they don't have a male equivalent of in you know Canada rugby um but yeah it just got it just kind of looked like the you know two physical games really showed and they just got just got outclassed by Canada but to, to answer your question I don't know it's I think it, it comes from seven success you know you look at Canada have always had a really competitive team on the women's side of things and I think that kind of then goes into your 15s and you know inspires that Participation. I think if you also look at some, Canadian, you look at Canadian sport in general as well. Um, you look at the soccer team, the Canadian women's side are gold medalists. And, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure about popularity or in terms of crowd-wise, but I'm pretty sure they're doing parity, if not better, than what the males are doing. So I think it's just one of those things. If you have, if you have simple things, if you have success, you're going to attract people to come participate. And, you know, Canada have shown that they've got a really really good um, 15s aside. I think they're ranked fourth in the world and that's all of a sudden got this kind of next gen of talent coming through and ultimately getting them to places where they're, you know, producing performances like this where they're, they're winning comfortably 45 to 7. So was this result expected? Um, I guess Henry can range up from losing to the scoreline. So what was that again? Like, it was this result to be expected. Like, was a loss expected? Or was this scoreline expected? I don't think the scoreline was expected. I mean, this is, we're fifth in the world, they're fourth. So I think everyone was expecting a close affair. But just one of those things, when you get momentum on, they're a tough team to stop. So it was just a case of kind of just being too good on the day. And yeah, I think just, yeah, a physical game, physical kind of past couple of weeks with the travel as well, I think just took its toll on the team. Yeah. No good, no good. But they're playing the All Blacks next weekend. No, so they're playing. So 
the Wallaroos will come back in September um, and we'll play Black Ferns in Christchurch, I want to say, off the top of my head. That might be wrong. And then basically what New Zealand's win over US in that tournament ensured is Australia will play in the um, WXV1 competition, which for those unaware is World Rugby's big new tournament, which is you know designed to guarantee women play the women's teams play consistently against the best in the world. And getting into WXV1 means essentially at the end of the year, they'll go to New Zealand and play England, France and Wales in sort of three back-to-back weeks. So it's, again, whilst you look at the score lines, you look at the 50 to nil, the 45 to seven defeat, as we kind of touched on last week, that win over USA has just really set this team up for a great future for the next 18 months to just build consistent game time against the best and start developing talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very exciting. Very exciting. Um, okay, moving on. Um, sure what else we have to talk about. I guess one thing off the top of my head is uh, Johnny Sexton got banned for three games before the World Cup. If you aren't following, he abused uh, the referee, including uh, controversies Yako Piper. In the top 14 final, no, European Championship final. Or, yeah, that one, whatever, or the Pro 14 final, one of them. And, um, yeah, basically got banned for the three trial matches leading up to the Rugby World Cup, which is stupid. I don't know how trial matches are included in this. Um, And they are trial matches. They aren't internationals, and they should be defined as so. Nick, do you have any thoughts on 2016? I mean, I I don't think this is... uh, This ban is covers it enough. I mean, considering uh, the amount of talk, I mean, uh, the amount of talk that there's already been this year about uh, the abuse that refs uh, are currently receiving, this is probably one of the best players in the world. Yes, he's obviously someone who is, you know, continued on. He's, he's, he's been around for a long time and has passed his physical prime, but he's a, he's a very strong, um, he's a very strong player. Uh, to get only a three-match ban and and it won't affect Ireland's World Cup, uh, you know, uh, campaign at all, really. Um, considering some of the stuff that he said, I'm I'm I questions about whether this was uh, an appropriate enough punishment. Nathan, am I being too harsh? I think you. I think it's a fair assessment. I would I would ask the question if this wasn't a man, you know, of his stature. He's already announced he's retired at the World Cup in a World Cup here, would this have been a three-week ban? You know, if was if this was, uh, you know, if, I don't know, TJ Paranara, if he come out and said this sort of stuff, or if it was, you know, I don't know, an Owen Farrell or you know, Marcus Smith, we've got Marcus Smith as an example, if players, you know, who still have time ahead of them, aren't going to retire, still have the same stature, but, ultimately not have this, oh, this is my last year. And would, would they have copped the same ban? I, th- I think they would have copped more. I think they were, ultimately, if you of what he's alleged to have said, you know, swearing at the officials and as, as kind of Nick alluded to, I think they just missed an opportunity here. But ultimately felt that, again, I, I feel like it's just a case of they don't want, they don't want the best, one of the best players in the world suspended for the Hallmark tournament of you know, the last four years. So he's just, he's got away with the light tap on the wrist, you know, and conveniently it's three weeks, you know, 
they could have made a real statement by suspending him for a couple of those games. Didn't have to be all of them. Just, you know, at least one or two of the World Cup games. But, yeah, I, I kind of tend to agree that just they've missed the trick here. Yeah. Is, it set, is it setting the right message? Hmm. No, absolutely not. Um, but have you seen, like, the reports from, I guess, that investigation, which I think took, like, a full day of just going through all the evidence? Um, apparently, during the medal ceremony... So he said something to the guys at the end of the game. He didn't play because he got rested. And he said a couple of things to the referees at the time. And then apparently when they were giving out the medals at the end, he was abusing them then as well. And then he went into the referee's change room or went near them or followed them down a tunnel or followed them in some way and was abusing them then again. So, yeah, <laughs> weird behaviour. And then actually, probably on top of that as well, we probably should mention, the is SA Rugby magazine have started doing ref polls. Oh, my goodness. Like, what do you think of the ref performance? <laughs> and it's... I don't, like... When will people stop complaining about the ref? Is it when we have, like, a robot referee? Um, so we were talking about South Park before. I remember South Park had this uh, episode. Basically, there was a robot comedian, which is just that really funny idea of uh, making something that is so ephemeral, so magic, so certain and rigid. And I don't know what will stop people complaining, especially South Africans, about referees. Do we need a robot referee? And then everyone be happy. We've had all this like digital technology, and it makes people not happier. I think it's just a case of this is engagement baiting. They saw they saw the reaction they got from the first one. Ultimately, if you're getting that, you're gonna be like, you know what? We're gonna keep going. We're gonna see what happens. It, it does when it gets to the point where Rusty's tweeting, yeah, the referees wasn't the problem. It was all us. I think you guys have kind of peaked. Like, you've jumped the shark, you guys. I think you've got to just stop this from becoming a regular thing. There comes a point, though, I think, where you ask the question, like, is it worth just going back to basics a little bit and simplifying things? Because, like, growing up, you would just listen to whatever the ref said, and and even if the, the call was right or the call was wrong, you accepted that they were human and that they made mistakes or whatever, and you just continued on your way. It's become a lot more complicated now with all of the technology and everything that we have available to us, which means that a decision that they've got to make in a split second, uh, we get to look at for for days and days on end, um, and and then and then pick apart. Part of me is like, but even then, and, and so, also from an angle that wasn't the referee's angle. Exactly, like, we, they, we have cameras for their eyes, and we can see what they were seeing. Yeah, should we? Uh, and I mean, like, even then, that's not necessarily going to fix the the issue. I mean, let's let's look at that uh, just that first disallowed Springbok try on the weekend in New Zealand, where like even with the camera. Uh, even with the the slow motion and the and the and the and the the refer the um the, uh, the referee upstairs, uh, you, there was no way you could make a discernible decision as to who had scored or what had happened. Like I think maybe it's a case of we're relying to are we relying too much on technology and you just say trust the ref and the two assistant refs with, mm-hmm. with the call, however it may be, and then 
bring it into you know bringing the the the, um, the upstairs the VR ref when when necessary or even but I like maybe this is me just thinking wishful thinking because the dam has kind of burst because we have all of this technology now and we're using it at the level that we are and that maybe if we were to go back to that people will go oh why didn't you bring it back why didn't you complain about it I think like the similar thing is when you watch like a, a movie that's say that's set in space or something and then people go oh how did this work the actual physics or whatever don't work of it. And it's kind of like, no, it's just a story. It's not a factual report of what happened. It's a story just, and it has to happen for the story to happen. You know what I mean? And it's a bit like maybe referees should just be like, look, it's just, you know, sport. It's not meant to be incredibly serious. Even though we take it seriously, it should just be fun. And it's, ah, you know, that's what the referee decided. I don't know. The world of professionalism. I think we've got it's it's a serious thing, and yeah, just like I think I worry about going back to this point. I think the message that that this sends, even if it is Johnny Sexton's farewell, uh, just it's it's not a good look. Um, and considering the amount of crap that that referees in general are, are getting, um, you know, they're, they're just human people, human beings at the end of the day who are trying to do their job. So. You know. Yeah, I, I was saying Jaco Piper, like I was saying on the weekend, he, like I can't believe Jaco Piper's still refereeing because uh, I forget his name, but who was that referee? Nathan, you probably know his name, who was the Kiwi ref and then he came over to ref for Australia because I think, not the same dream, but I think he got in trouble for like... Paul Williams? Steve Walsh? Steve Walsh. Yeah, Steve Walsh. And then he yeah. got for too long. Um, and, you know, after Ben O'Keefe's post about all the... Re- abuse he received from Chiefs fan. I don't think he'd probably do anything after the World Cup, like he announced his retirement. But I'm surprised Yako Piper is. Maybe Yako Piper is absolutely insane. Then <laughs> <laughs> he loves the attention or something. But I'm surprised he's still going. He's uh, married to the game, that's it. But yeah, the only, only kind of thing I'd, I'd love to see that they haven't done is, you know that flag system they've got in the NFL? So if a coach sees something that they want to dispute, they throw the flag on the ground. Kind of like, I think it's like um, cricket's review system. It's like, like, have, like, like the captain's, captain's challenge. Captain's yeah. challenge. Yeah. Um, because I know like our friend Paul was saying that Quaid did a forward pass uh, for our first try, I think. Um, but I can understand his frustration. if It's like, just go back and look at it, you know? Because it looks, it looks like it could be forward. Do you reckon that that should that could be a workaround because it, it means that the the actual teams like the refs just make the call and if there is something that we think that the teams think that should be contested, mm-hmm. uh, they have like a, a set time to to throw in a captain's challenge. Yeah, yeah. Or well, you know, in NFL they just throw the they got like a little flag and they just throw it on the ground, mm-hmm. like on the sideline. I think it's like NFL they just like sometimes it's just a bit of like cloth on the field. Have you not seen it? Certainly have. I think it, it makes sense. I don't. I, I think the captain. Can, I think looking at, at league, um, and I think the captain's challenge works a bit better for for the style of game that we have because I think as well the natural way that NFL works because this it's such a stop start game. Those sort of flags uh, are a bit more like it just works a bit more with well, that I, game. I, I like the regardless. I, I do yeah. like it. There is a nice visual to it. Yeah. I think I do think that the 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 whole uh, in tr- the old general idea that you th- that you're throwing out here though I think it, it makes sense 
and is worth trialling in some way, shape or form. Because hopefully it means then that the refs can just go, fuck it, I'm making the decision and it's up to you then. The onus is on the team to challenge it. Yeah. Um, I can just focus on working on the game and what I have here in front of me. Yeah, yeah. And then if you screw it up, you go, well, you know, kind of like in cricket. <laughs> you watch your cricket and I remember Chappelle kept going, oh, you know, back in the day, you knew if you hit it or not. And it's kind of consistent that a lot of people don't think they've hit it when they clearly have. When you do the, you know, the hot spot and all guys and all that kind of gear. And snicker. Yeah. Anyway, maybe the other way they could do it is they have like that scrum cam, but they like hit the referee in the head with it. Like they just get it lowered and hit the referee in the head. Maybe that's how they do it. <laughs> just... Just because players getting CTA isn't enough. Let's just yeah, add it. Yeah. Why not? Well, maybe it's just confetti from the, the scrum camp. Just make it a bit theatric. I'm trying to visualise that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just <laughs> confetti comes be... out. Lord. <laughs> oh, no. It might be under something. Yeah, yeah. And then the lights start wearing and everything and everyone gets excited and then everyone has to get out of their seat and dance in a coach's referral. No? Sure, that'll go down really, I'm sure that'll go down really well with Eddie Jones. I, I reckon he'd I'm, love I'm it. I'm just trying to think about how to get the youth involved, you know? <laughs> this is, I, again, we, we should do an entire part of Nick Hartman's ideas to get the youth involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll, how And we'll have to, like, put a disclaimer on the emphasis just just in a rugby context, because if you, if you just get the youth involved in general, no idea. Your, your idea would be reintroduce the NRC, Nick. Oh yeah, definitely. That that's that's Nick's answer to solving world hunger as well. Yeah, introduce the NRC. Introduce and, the and, NRC. And, and and make sure that it's properly funded. So like, I actually think that if the NRC had uh you know had been around for ten fifteen years, I don't think there'd be any wars in the world because it would be the it would be the best competition on earth. Uh, and not only that. Uh, all, in, all, all in New Zealand would be ostracised and would probably live down in Antarctica somewhere. Um, we would all bow to uh, to Ballymore, just the stadium. Uh, like, it would be perfect. Nick is like Lionel Hutz. When you, when you ask, <laughs> can, can, you, can you imagine a, a world without lawyers and it's just everyone in hand dancing as like rainbows and sunshine? That's what, that's what Nick thinks the NRC is. What, what's your happy memory? Nathan, what, what cheers you up, your happy rugby memory? Uh, how do we go? We got Waratahs winning the Super Rugby final in 2014. I think I was happy. Uh, and the, when we made the World Cup final in 2015. I'll okay. say those two. Nick, what's your happy memory, happy rugby memory? Well, we'll go for two. I'll go for two. Uh, one was Radiki Samo's try in 2011. In Brisbane, that one was beauty. Uh, I love that. But a more recent one, I'll go. Like I will say that there have been some games in recent memory that have genuinely brought me joy, and uh, the the bonus point win over South Africa at uh, uh, when Taniela Tupo did the most beautiful pass to Marika Corombete uh, to to just ice the win. That was that was satisfying. That was so satisfying that game. So I, that one brings me joy. I bought my dad a Radiki Samo T-shirt, and I, it's hard to describe, but he was like drawn as an anime character. 
don't know if you guys have seen the same shirt. It's like a graphic tee. No? Mm. That's going to be our mission before the next pod is try and find the shirt. I try, try and find the, the Radiki shirt. Yeah. Um, and actually, so my, my memories, uh, I think maybe it was Wales, against Wales in the last World Cup. No, 2015 in England, when we had that huge defensive effort. That's mm. one of the rare times when I think the Wallabies actually... That was a good game. How about snatch, knock snatch yeah. victory from the jaws of defeat? Mm. Um, another happy memory. Knocking mm. out England. That game was. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was a great. That was a great that's what game. I was going to say. Yeah, I had the little yeah. gif of the guys leaving early. Oh. I on my computer for a bit. Yeah, that's a great one. Or the 2019 win against the All Blacks. That was pretty satisfying. Oh yeah. Oh. That was a good one. Uh, I, I don't remember that win for other reasons. They may have celebrated a bit too much that night. <laughs> oh, I would have loved to have seen that. That would have been incredible. Because I've, I've never seen, I've never seen Nathan on the source. I was going to say another happy rugby memory I've got is uh, it was New Zealand when they had the World Cup 2011, mm. and the Canadians were playing some like Romania or something like that. And anyway, there was a scrum or a mole. And one guy, it must have been a mall, because one guy popped up in the um, mall, and he couldn't do anything, because he was right in the middle of the uh, mall. So he just started waving to the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember that. That was a good one. That was a great one, too. Nathan, do you have any more? Um, I was going to say, oh, is it non-Australian we're saying, or is it... Yeah, non-Australian, like when it didn't involve Australia. I'll say Japan's win in 2015. Oh, yeah. the, the, the I remember where I was. Like 9-11 and that win. I know where I was. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if it, wasn't, if it wasn't clear before that we've lost the plot, that, that might do it. Yeah, that's it. There it is right there. I love no, the contrast. No, I'm just saying, like, the there contrast. was changing event. The contrast. I just I the, the other s- place I know where I was was that game. Jeez Louise. I was at my mate's party and everyone had gone to bed because the game was on at like 3am. <laughs> and I was like, guys, stay up, it'll be a great game, you know, whatever. Uh, and no one did. And I remember lying on the ground with a blanket watching it. <sighs> yeah. Jeez. It's, I just love the contrast. It just shook, sh- you shook me. Okay. Any more, Nathan? Um... That's what really comes to mind at this point. Um, I would say it's one of those classic ones. As soon as I get off this, get off the, this pod, I'll just be like, "Oh, of course, that as well." Oh, about that. What about that? I was going to throw a non-rugby one in when Brian Abana raced the cheetah. Does that count? <laughs> That's rugby related. That's rugby related. That counts. Who won? Abana. Yeah, of course. Of course. Uh, so you tell the story. Bad, yeah. Tell the story on the good, the good, the bad, and the rugby. Which again, if you, you haven't listened to, you listen to this. Give it a listen and watch. It's great. I don't know if I was with you, Nick, um, but for the second British and Irish Lions game. Oh, Zealand, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was also at the clock. Actually, yes. No, maybe I was with my other mate because I remember we got there because Australia played Italy before. And yeah, that's right. And we got there really early and we got this great seat and the pub slowly filled in over the night. And that was the game when... Danny Bill Williams got sent off. Mm. And it was heading for a draw 
if I recall, and Raman Point he pulled back, he called a penalty, and I guess it was a penalty, but it was maybe you know if it was a penalty, hundred percent is you know out of the penalty below forty nine percent sort of penalty. It was like probably fifty five percent a penalty, and he called it. Do you remember that at the end of that game? Yeah, yeah. it was a good game. It was and a good was, game. That was great energy there. I think I was in a mate's place watching that one. I don't recall being at that one. Uh, that yeah, I guess it was my mate. Yeah. Yeah. But either way, good memories. It's it's yeah, fun. But it's memories. It's fun being a neutral. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and 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 for the, and even if your team doesn't make it to the grand final, uh, just being a menace and watching the grand final somewhere is a lot of fun. Well, I, that's actually something about you know being a rugby fan because I don't watch much rugby that doesn't involve the teams I support. But I guess you know in Six Nations, if you're an England fan. You can see two other games that weekend that will probably be amazing. You know, that's worth going to the pub for, if you know what I mean, that we probably don't get because it's either New Zealand smack at someone at home or it's at 4 a.m. because it's in South Africa. I think we just have PTSD from watching two New Zealand and South Africa. Yeah, and, and that, <laughs> that too. I, I, it was nice watching New Zealand and South Africa as a neutral kind of sitting back being able to admire both teams playing really well. So there's, again, and, you know, there's something nice about that. There's, you know, as I've seen a couple of people put it, there's something nice in stripping it all back as well, you know, going down to your shit shield level as well and just kind of watching games and that. Just, just again, whenever I get the chance, I love going down to Coogee and just watching games there. There's just something nice about it when it's just you can kind of sit there and relax and not be overly invested or have it affect your... You know, your weekend if your team if the team wins or loses. Yeah. Yeah, it has no effect on your blood pressure. That too. Yeah, that's that's also nice as well. Mm. We'll get back to those days one day, I swear. <laughs> Eventually. Eventually we'll get to that day. Yeah, I think my heart pretty much stopped beating about thirty minutes into game on Saturday. Ghosted through. Hopefully next game it'll it won't be so bad. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. Have faith. Um, this, this is a game where we all bounce back. Let us know MCG. It's the perfect stage to bounce nah, back. Nah, 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 Nathan. You, you, I know you, you're doing that positive thing. I'm not ready there yet. I'm not there yet, mate. We need, <laughs> we're not, need we're not more that time. stage yet? I'm, I need more time. <laughs> ask me, <laughs> let, ask me next week. Nathan's been watching The Secret. You know, just will it into existence. You know The Secret? Remember The Secret? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I think it just might be denial at this point. <laughs> it's it is. Soz. <laughs> I think Brutal, I think we need fair. I think we need another week to process before we uh, before we get ready for yet another Bledisloe. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the pod. We hope you found it therapeutic. Please let us know what stage of denial you are in and your positive rugby memories. Uh, we might come back next week. Who knows? Hopefully, we'll be happy to come back on and be looking forward. Thank you for listening. Um, and we hope to catch you sometime soon. Perfect. But what did go wrong? I have to look, look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Sirelli Bombo? Bit of genius, bit of magic. Sirelli Bombo. Very interesting. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Three cheers for Sir Eddie Bombo. Very good. Very good.